0: My previous business partner told me that she would be able to find a financer who can finance the event. And I trusted her. And I told her, you know what? I'm busy with this business dev thing and making sure that our event would be profitable. And she said, okay, just leave it to me. And then so when we met this person, we were just a few weeks before the event. And that's when she dropped the, the message to us or the bomb. Like, you know what? I can lend you $100,000, but that's 10% per month.
1: Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. To join our community, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and receive these five free benefits. First, you get the risk reduction checklist I've created from the lessons I've learned from all my guests. Second, you get my weekly email to help you increase your investment return. Third, you get a 25% discount on all A Stotts Academy courses. Fourth, you get access to our Facebook community to get to know guests and fellow listeners. And finally, you get my curated list of the top 10 podcast episodes. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A.E. Stotts Academy. and I'm here with featured guests, Pat, Soyao. Pat, are you ready to rock? Yeah, let's do this. All right. Well, let me introduce you to the audience. Pat Soyao is currently the managing director and founder of Icon Executive Asia, an executive solutions firm that focuses on executive search and executive events that service a roster of high profile and high net worth clientele. He's also the chief strategy officer and co-founder of shoppertainment live the leading live stream shopping network in the philippines also check out his podcast job defined which is all about debunking job descriptions through interviewing actual professionals who are doing that job right now pat take a minute and fill in further tidbits about your life
0: okay thanks for that intro so again my name is pat I'm an entrepreneur. I started my business back in 2013. I'm on my third and fourth business, so I had my few, not really few, I had more misses than hits eventually, and um, experienced my own fair share of losses, a lot of them monetary, and I, I guess that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm.
1: And just maybe give me a little idea about like what strengths do you have As an individual or as a company, now that you've been in business for a while, you know what you can deliver. I'm just curious to understand that also so that listeners can understand potentially maybe they should hire you.
0: Well, I believe my strength is business development and I've been doing a lot of business development. It's not just, it's more than sales. It's actually a lot of things. You're more of a generalist, you know, several points and that's the beauty of it. Because if you try to connect points from the same location, then it's pointless. Mm. And the number one skill that I have, in my opinion, and that I've seen this, I always do this in all of my businesses, is I make things exist. So from thoughts to tangible things, I'm obsessed of bringing that thought into something tangible. From the thought of having my own business, from the thought of having this particular project from the thought of reaching this level or a new project that's never been sold. That's something that I'm actually obsessed with. Mm -hmm. We want to make things exist.
1: That's exciting. I remember hearing from somebody that everything that exists in this world was created twice, first in our brain and then making it exist in real life. So there we have it. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever and since nobody ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be tell us a bit about the circumstance leading up to it and then tell us your story
0: or it's um it's not really a i don't think it's an investment it's sort of an investment for my second business we did a lot of events these are big events high level productions we mostly did it for multinational companies fashion shows launches sales conferences, we were the ones who were organizing it. And the thing about doing events and having multinational clients is that they have terms. And that's their leverage being a giant and normally they would charge 30 to 60. And I have, actually for this particular client, I just remembered now, it's 90. 90 days from the time that you've built them. So it's basically three months. And this project was too big to, to pass, and we were able to pitch, and we were able to win it. And we were barely a startup during that time. And once we once we won the project, we, of course, during that particular business of mine, I was in charge of business development, acquisition of clients, and at the same time, finance. So when I finally got the cost estimate, It was more than $100,000 for us to mount that particular project. And we barely had $5,000 in the bank. And I I remember my previous business partner told me that she would be able to find a financer who can finance the event. And I trusted her and I told her, you know what, I'm busy with this business dev thing and making sure that our event would be profitable And she said, okay, just leave it to me. And then so when we met this person, we were just a few weeks before the event. And that's when she dropped the the message to us or the bomb. Like, you know what? I can lend you $100,000, but that's 10% per month. Per month? Per month. Not per year. Not per year. $30,000. So, yeah. And I was shocked and... There was only like two to three weeks left before the actual event. And of course, we had to pay suppliers. We had to. And uh, this was our first big event. And I was, you know, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know. I tried, should I borrow money from my friends? Should I borrow? Do I have any other choices for this one? And because of the lack of time for us, we grabbed it. And the reason why I grabbed it is, number one, we had no choice. We already signed the contract. The invitations were already sent out. These were like 800 people who would go to that event. And it's, from, it's going to be held in the, one of the most prestigious hotels and one of the biggest multinational brands. And I just wanted to save face. But at the same time, I tried to find some silver lining with this one, even if I knew that this is gonna eat up our margins for this event. Normally, big events would get at least a 30 to 40% margin. So if um, 100,000, we would earn at least $40,000 at most, Mm -hmm. or if you're really good with numbers and your terms, most likely you bump it up to 50%. Mm -hmm. But we were able to, um, I think, close to 35%, and yeah, so when we were able to successfully mount it and I told to myself, well, now basically we did it for this person. So we're going to give them our margins to this person who lent that money because this multinational, of course, they won't budge with the nine days. And the silver lining that I was talking about earlier was if there's one silver lining that made me say yes to this agreement. Not just because we lack time, is because even if we don't earn from this, the concept of loss leader, I told myself, well, I'll just put this under the lesson of a loss leader. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're going to lose now, but you win in the long run because, because of this event, we were able to use that as a springboard that we, sh- if our clients would tell us, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, I wanted to make something exist, right? Yeah. And uh, we were sort of a startup. And when people ask us, can you do this event? We'll just play this video and show it to the client. And they would say, wow, that's a great event. And number two, that's a big client. So even if we didn't earn back then, it did wonders for the business. Is it worth it? No. It's still not (laughs) worth it to this day.
1: (laughs) So that idea that you had, was just kind of a justification for yeah. what you did, but it didn't turn out that it, you could have still built your business without that.
0: Yeah. And um, again, it's not worth it. Up to this day, if I look back into it, I was like, oh my God, that was the, it's like I worked for that person. Mm. I can't believe that. I remember the time that I wrote the check. I just couldn't give it wholeheartedly. It, I resentfully gave it to that person. <laughs> and up to this day, I hope, this person made good use of that money because it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Now, you can buy a car. You can, it can, can you imagine the, for a startup, that amount would definitely help the organization right away.
1: Yeah.
0: It can provide you two to three months runway in terms of salaries, yeah. but instead it went to this person.
1: Um, and when you did the event, did you know right from the time that you got that loan that this was just going to suck up all the profit or was there a point in your mind you were thinking no 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 this could work but then when you ran the numbers later you realized how did that happen
0: oh I knew from the get-go that's why throughout the event I was resentful I knew from the get-go I was resentful and I was I was already thinking of action points how to move forward I don't want this mm. to happen again and then I remember my partner before told me well we should be thankful for this person that this this person loaned us money. I was like, no, <laughs> it's kind of hard to be thankful if this is, this is more than, it's beyond cutthroat. Mm. That's a loan shark if you think about it. Yeah. It, it. Even loan sharks have better terms compared to that person. And just, because, again, I think we, I felt that I we were taking advantage of because of the time. Yeah. And I know for a fact in myself that I could have gotten better. Mm. And but The best part is, you know, the silver lining worked. We got another project, right. with the same amount of money for us to mount. But this time, you know, I knew better. Mm. And the rest is history. So maybe you can
1: summarize the lessons that you learned from this, thinking about people out there that, you know, are facing a very similar situation.
0: You know, when you start your business, you try to, one of the biggest challenges is finding that funding from the get-go, right? Mm. So where do you find these funds? Of course, banks, you know, in my first business, I tried to get a loan anchored on what, nothing, Mm. dreams, and uh, I got shut down right away and you'll be surprised where you can actually find funds. And for this second event that we did, I tried to borrow from friends. I borrowed for friends and I was surprised that they were, initially I was, I, I didn't like or I didn't even borrow from my friends back then mm. because just the thought of me failing and losing their money, I can't bear that. Right. And I think that at the same time when you borrow from friends of the stories that you hear that your first customers are not even going to be your friends but you're going to random strangers. Mm. But I tried anyway. So I started with my best friend and a- another close friend of mine. I was so nervous back then. And I remember I asked them 10% again, but this time six months. Mm. And they agreed. And the best part is they even extended the term because we're friends. And I remember the appreciation that I felt for my friends back then. I was like, wow. Mm. I- The thing that I was fearing the most of me getting rejected was not even there because they were all out support and that made me more appreciative of them and in a way motivated not to fail because you know what? They also place their dreams on you because anytime that that money can just go up in the smoke, you know, gone. And Mm. I remember my business partner, I just want to share the story as well, For this particular project, I mentioned to my partner that I was able to grab this. Just for reference, the reason why I closed my second business is because I, uh, different vision, different perspectives with my partner back then. So I remember at this point she was doing more on the execution. I was doing on the uh, business development and finance. And the thing about business development, you don't see it tangible right away. With execution, it's easy because it's right in front of you. Yeah. And then I remember I told her, okay, for this next event, you borrow money from your friends. I borrow money from my friends. And let's see how much you can bring. I was able to borrow at least $100,000 again. And she was able to borrow what's that, $500 the most. And it seemed like it was easy for her. It seems like borrowing money is easy. And she brushed it off as something that's not very important for the business because she's all about execution. And I told her, you know what? I agree that execution is a lot, it's a big factor in the business. But I want you to understand that when you borrow money, it's more than the money. It's because this, I remember I told her, what's in line here is friendship that's been built throughout the years and the trust that they were able to give to me. Mm. It says a lot about the person on how much, this is what I believe in. If you can borrow money from your friends and families or whoever, it says a lot about you because that means in a way you're you're trustworthy.
1: It says even more when you can pay it back.
0: Exactly. (laughs) I remember I paid it back. My friend got a guitar. They were so happy. I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this money to pay for the things that I like. I was like, okay, do whatever you want. And my friend went abroad and I was like, you know what? Go ahead, go crazy. Enjoy. Well, maybe
1: I'll share my thoughts on what I heard from this. It reminds me of two stories that I had. One of them was that when we started one of my businesses, Coffee Works, Coffee Factory, we struggled through the 1997. Asian financial crisis here in Bangkok and just barely alive, just barely alive. But we had this big factory and a very nice Singaporean man came into town and somehow we met him, came out to our factory and he says, I'm going to order X number of containers from your factory to ship to Eastern Europe. And we were so excited. And, you know, he said, it's got to be the low cost. I mean, we're really, really competitive. So we did a bidding as low as we possibly could. And then it turns out that we didn't have the production capacity to meet his needs. So we had to start buying equipment and we didn't have the budget to buy, you know, the right kind of equipment. So we had to get kind of substandard grinders and substandard roasters. And we put out a lot of money to do that. And we got it going because we signed the agreement and we were going to fill, you know, those containers and, and we needed this. This was our way out. And I can still remember in the factory, you know, it was like dust everywhere, people wearing face masks and stuff because we were just grinding coffee with these really industrial grinders. So we shipped out a few of those containers. And once we started making the calculations, we just realized it's a money loser for us. And we're not in a position where we can bear that for very long. And basically, I happened to be in Singapore for a meeting for something else. And I asked if I could come see the man that we signed the contract with. And I just said, look, we signed this contract with good intent and we definitely want to. We needed this, but we can't do it at this level or else it's just going to kill us. And he and I discussed it and we agreed to exit the contract and we walked out of that. And it's just a lesson. The lesson is that you can always go back and ask. You can always go back and try. You know, you may not get it but you can try and you can always say, well, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna kill my business over this contract for this huge company that had all kinds of business. That's the first lesson. The second one was uh, we had a big company in Thailand recently, not too long ago, wanted, to, wanted us to supply them, but their credit terms were like 90 days. And we just didn't have the funding to do it because we shipped the equipment from Italy. It took a while to get here. We had letters of credit to some extent, but, you know, it was just, we knew we would be financing these guys massively and they weren't going to order a tiny number. They were going to order like a thousand or 2000 coffee machines. And in the end, we basically went to them and said, we, the most that we can do is 30 days. And my business partner stuck with that, And we walked away from a huge deal that could have made us much bigger, or it could have been the weight that sunk our ship. And so I think, When I listen to your story, it makes me realize and I want listeners to think, you know, when you find yourself in a situation like that, you know, you can either decide I'm going to deliver this no matter what, or you can decide I've got to go talk to them. The third choice is kind of run away, which some people do, and I don't think you need to do that. So those are some lessons I learned that you really reminded me of, and I appreciate that. Is there anything you would add to that?
0: Oh, yeah. I asked the one who loaned us money. She didn't bunge. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried. I was like, "Can we go lower than this?" And nope. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's why, again, it's a still a tough pill to swallow up to this day. And yeah.
1: Well, someday she may come to you and ask to borrow some money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. It's quite so easy. I, yeah. I do. Well, you know, it just the world just goes round and round. You exactly. never know, right? Yep.
1: So based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Well,
0: know your numbers, definitely. Hmm. I'm very big on numbers, margins, runways, but at the same time, think bigger. Or the second time that we did that event, we had better terms with our suppliers, Because we had better terms with our suppliers, that's another silver lining because since it was our first big project, the suppliers, of course, you can't just simply ask for terms for a first project Mm. And then when they got paid, I had more leverage, so I asked better terms. So you have to understand when, when money is involved, you really have to manage the cash flow, you really have to manage how long can you survive without a sale. Yeah. That's always, be, that's always in my head because mm. uh, in my first business, I remember having three months runway for almost three years, and it made me anxious. Can you imagine? You deliver a service in 30 days, and then you collect after 30 days, which is normally 45 days. So all in all, you had 30 plus 45, that's 75, and you only have like 15 days left, mm-hmm. and that's a constant anxiety, and that's why right now, when I create runways, if it's six months, it's, it's already like red for me that anxiety triggers. Mm. If it's one year, I'm you know I can rest for a bit, but normally that's, uh, that's very important because that would give you peace of mind and so you won't be able to make rash decisions such as what I did agreeing to a 10 percent interest per month. Yep, great. So it gives you more freedom if you're prepared. Uh, Definitely. And you know your numbers.
1: That's good advice. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12
0: months? Number one goal for the next 12 months? Well, one of the goals right now is it's pandemic right now. So executive search is one mm-hmm. of my business and events, which was severely affected. And another one is live stream shopping. So In this pandemic, there are three statuses for companies, in my opinion. The first status is dying. The second one is surviving. And the last one is thriving. So in the next 12 months, executive events and executive search is more on the spectrum of surviving. I know a lot of executive search firms who already closed shop because of the pandemic, because their clients stop hiring. Mm. And right now, even if the market is bouncing back, it's still kind of a challenge because those who survive right now are fighting for whatever piece of meat is out there. So the competition is tougher compared to pre-pandemic. So I want to get that go beyond into the spectrum. I want to cross to the thriving side in the next right. one. Fantastic. And then for the live stream shopping, as of what we know we're currently leading in the country and we do want to keep that lead and really make it big and scale it to the point of um, it's crazy so right now we just got another floor and we're still gonna create more and more studios for that particular company so mm. more of the thriving side in the next 12 months
1: great well we'll follow up in 12 months <laughs> <laughs> well Listeners, there you have it, another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listener, reduce risk and increase return in your life. To achieve this, I've created our community at myworstinvestmentever.com. I look forward to seeing you all there. As we conclude, Pat, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Ace Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience?
0: Just keep on keeping on and make things exist. If you're going to be a business owner that thought into tangible things, make things exist and, you know, ups and downs are normal. So just keep on keeping on.
1: Right on. That's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow and protect our well-fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott saying, I'll see you on the upside.